start the show. For Thursday, December 15th, 2016. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Welcome to this week's episode of This Is Only a Test, our weekly technology podcast. We are nearing the end of the year, only maybe one more new episode after this before the end of 2016. I'm Norm, of course, your host, full of coffee Take a breath. and full of excitement for this week's pop culture news and technology news. But joining me is Jeremy Williams. Yes, yes he's here. And also Kishohari. Hello. <sighs> I'm full of holiday cheer today. I'm so glad. I'm. I, has the holiday season started to infect you yet? You know, we were just talking about this. Uh, we had our team holiday lunch uh, this Monday, I believe, because uh, people are leaving out of town, so we had it a little early. But as we were getting in the car over to the restaurant, we were talking about, does it feel very holiday cheery this year? And p- numerous people, multiple people in the car said, no, not really. What? Yeah. I'm all over it. Everything about my life is now about the Christmas season. We trimmed the tree the other night. Did we you water it? No, we have a fake tree. Oh, uh, you trim a fake tree? Sure. You, you know, you can only do that so much. <laughs> uh, I actually have uh, dibs on my parents' fake tree, which is from 1976. It's older than me. Wow. It is my favorite thing that my parents own. Is it silver? No. What, really? What's so special about the fake tree? Because it's it's a tree that has been part of our our lives forever oh, it's, it's, it's sentimental it's really sentimental yeah it's beautiful okay uh, my wife hates it um does it collapse how does the tree collapse i had a fake individual branches that pull oh, out oh really? and then a, a core stuff oh fa- yeah yeah the fake tree that i had growing up just splits in half in the middle and then everything folds up you think they make one like a mechanical umbrella where you hit a button and it goes well i think it's more important that when alexa unfold the tree that'd be great every morning yeah, with it's like a pop-up book. That's what I want. Except, except tree. Have you not started watching all the holiday movies? No, and maybe that's it. I mean, uh, we're taking the week between Christmas and New Year's off, those days being seven days apart every year. It makes it a little difficult um, to get work done. So that's when I'll be setting a, you know, in full holiday cheer in sweaters, no pants, and Christmas movies. Yeah, because I watched Elf, and then I went to the Dickens Fair this weekend. Oh, my goodness. Should I explain what the Dickens Fair is? I want to devote a segment. We need like a one-time only Dickens Fair music intro. Hmm. Uh, Maybe you got to play something from like. May I please have some more (laughs) from from Christmas Carol or something? Uh, But that was also going to be our holiday team team bonding event, and I got sick over Saturday, so couldn't do it. Is this the music? Are we doing it? How is this Charles Dickens? I don't know. There you go. I don't think that's, that's it. Okay. That's Charles Dickens the musical. Regalas of Tales of the Dickens Fair. Well, for those that don't know, um, 
Dickens Fair, and these are common, you know, in different cities across the country, is the idea of making, you know, sort of early 19th century London come alive with different Dickensian characters roaming about. And there's numerous dozens, if not hundreds of people in costume, sort of acting out real time sort of plays and interactions. Like the Queen of England is there wandering around with her you know, sort of armed guard. And there's when you the say haberdashery. There, when oh. you say there, in the Bay Area, in San Francisco, we have a large arena. It's called the Cow Palace. And it's where you have like Dizzy on Ice and the Ringling Brothers, Barnum Bailey. It's a massive, like not amphitheater, it's a hangar space almost. Mm-hmm. And that entire building gets converted into 19th century Victorian London. Yeah, and they create a grid with different streets, and you can go down by the docks and their seedier characters, or you can go to you sort of the dice, po- liars yeah. dice. You can go to the posher areas, and there's a food court. It's like the Renaissance Fair, except with uh, Dickens characters. It was a burlesque <laughs> show. Wait, a minute, are the are are you role playing as a, as an attendee? You can some uh, some do. Okay. You definitely can. Uh, I didn't. I, I took my wife and son, and my son's six, and he's not into you know doing that yet. No. So it's all right if it was is. sort of watching as a spectator. But, you know, we saw like Dickens get into an argument with a different writer. It was kind of funny. So the, you can identify the, the character actors. And you can talk to them and they'll talk back to you in character. And they must stay in character. That's the rule. Absolutely. They even always the, have to stay in character. Even the barkeeps will, will be in character. So it's not Merry Christmas. It's always Happy Christmas because it's London. I'm so disappointed because hmm. I, I won't get a chance to go this year. It is... Uh, running till this Sunday, and it only opened on weekends. It's a little pricey. I think $30 a ticket, or there might be a discount if you go later in the day. But uh, I'm going to be out of town Friday, Saturday, Sunday in L.A., and I really, really wanted to go this year. It'll return next year. Uh, We'll go next year. Yeah. Dickens Fair. Uh, Did you have a turkey leg, or what what were the meals Uh, you had there? I had fish and chips. We went down to the docks to have our meal. Um, and it was fine, but moreover, I had adult eggnog, which was delightful. Mm. That's just available. Yeah, they have they have bars open wow. throughout the the area, and uh, it like they have craftsmen and and different things. Can you buy things? Yeah, other, other than eggnog, shops open. They, like everything from corsets and haberdashers to like little trinkets and uh, and ornaments. It's, it's really delightful. And there's like crafts for the kids to do. I remember because in the city, there's a main street that goes through and you have the shops and there are also just like institutions. There's a bar, there are many bars, um, and characters in the bars, but they're also like your typical like Royal adventurers club or something. And then they have people have like fake meetings there and you see, you know, um, taxidermy animals. So it was all, you know, caricature of that Victorian era, London, uh, and the characters on the website, people you may meet while at the Dickens Fair, Charles Dickens, who you did meet, Father Christmas. Oh, yes, he was wandering around with Marlo when we ran into him. Uh-huh. Her Majesty Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. Uh, you have Scrooge and the Three G- Ghosts. Uh, you also have, oh, the Cratchit family and Tiny Tim. Oliver Twist is there, speaking of the porridge. David Copperfield, not the magician. And uh, many chimney sweeps, news there boys, are a lot of musicians, sailors, and carols. I would love to hear from someone who works at one of these fairs. And maybe it's a Ren Fair thing. We're at Ren Fairs are seasonal also, but this is indoor. This is converting an indoor place into like a makeshift Disneyland. But kind of like a almost an edgier 
Disneyland because it's a seedy London also, and then you know it's a little more subversive. There's one character down by the docks who would just like jump up on barrels and stare at people as they walked by. <laughs> it was so hilarious. He's yeah. my favorite. This sounds a little Westworld to me. I mean, in the original movie, yes, in the original movie, it wasn't just the old West. There were three different lands, and one of them wasn't Shakespearean times. But or, uh, I'm sorry, Dick, Dickens Dickens time. World, sorry. where children have yeah. to beg for it their food would have been would have been pretty cool though. The way you're talking about it. Oh, so it's we've it's uh, something we've talked about before. Would it be fun to go dressed as and, and like Doctor Who cosplayers go? Uh, but would it be fun to go dressed as Star Trek characters and perhaps visit it as if it was a Do you think you'd be Dickens welcome? Planet. I think it's a bad call. I, I think, don't think people would be rude to you. I, I just think the joke would wear off really quick. Yeah. And you would be that you would then be stuck there for however many hours with however much money you invested. But on the this other year, hand, I saw Star Trek characters at the Force Awakens opening night. That was funny. Uh, that was good. Yeah, they they were there making a point. Uh but would it, this year would it be more appropriate to go as a Westworld attendee as a guest? And treat it as a as a, a as a Delos treat uh, it destination like Westworld. Well, nah, you know. not so much. Yeah. I mean, you know, for thirty bucks, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper than lot the forty thousand dollars we're paying daily. White hats only. I know. Oh, yeah, white a lot, lot of top hats. I imagine also top hats and mustaches. Very much. Yeah, but I would also love to hear from someone who works in one of these fairs. Um, please send us send us a tweet, send us an email, uh, and we'll share your story. So that's your holiday cheer this weekend. Um, we're going to get more into holiday cheer, but before that, let's jump into some pop culture news. Pop culture news. Now, maybe this is a blending pop culture news segment with the VR Minute, but we did our homework this week. You guys caught me up. We we caught Jeremy up, not on Westworld, but on the documentary that we all promised we would watch, Man vs. Snake. And we did it in tested fashion. We watched it together in virtual reality in the big screen app. You want to set up how, how this happened and, and what it was like? Um, well, I guess we've talked about big screen before, but it, it's an excellent free app. <clears throat> on both platforms, Vive and Oculus Rift, and it uh, basically creates a room with four people in it, and four people can join in. It can be private or public, and you are in a room together, and everyone designs their avatar, and uh, you can hear each other, and t you know can see each other's controllers. But more importantly, you can share desktops with them, and you often you can be in a in a room that has a big screen, like a movie screen, and you can project your desktop up on there, and you can p perhaps make that a Netflix stream. You can perhaps full screen it, and one person can share the audio with everyone else. So it's very easy to get in this room and share an entire movie experience. Perfectly synced, I might add, which I was highly impressed by. Like, I could very softly sometimes hear the audio of the movie coming through your microphones, and it was right in sync with mine. I was highly impressed. Very well done. They do have a hacky way of getting the audio working. I couldn't actually get it to work. They're working on a fix. Yeah, so there's no, it's not without its technical difficulties. But Kishore got it working, no problem. You download a uh, extra piece of software called VoiceMeter, M-E-E-T-E-R. Yeah, VoiceMeter Banana. And, right, that's the professional version. And uh, basically that lets you, as the host, stream whatever is coming out of your desktop 
into back into uh, the game streaming software. The, the audio uh, that's coming. The audio, audio. exactly. Desktop. So Kishore could pause the movie, and we can all adjust the volume of the movie ourselves, which is actually a really cool feature. Adjust the volume of Kishore's of output. Kishore's, yes, that's exactly yeah, whatever right. his desktop output, and also then our audio would be balanced. So. As a viewing experience, so like te- technical difficulties aside, because we had also bitrate issues, and I know it's something they're working on because you're encoding it in real time. In addition to the host is encoding and upstreaming in real time, in addition to rendering the VR environment, we're all rendering a VR environment. I felt like I was watching a movie with you guys. It was a, one of the most compelling social experiences because we were all sitting at home, we got our chairs. And we had our own desktop store aside, and we were talking, but we could pay attention. We can laser point. Uh, it was like a real, like a shared movie experience, and, and I, I got lost in it. When I, when you guys would say something or I wanted to talk to you, I would turn my head towards you. Yeah, you know, not, right. I, don't, I don't have to do that. You can hear me anyway. But it was just, it was that level of social immersion. There was one point. So most of the VR experience we've played right now are single player, and when wearing the Rift. The way I interact with people in the actual physical world is I look under the nose gap, right? The you know if someone if if someone walks into the room, I tilt my head up, look under the nose gap, and say, oh, "I'm still in VR. I'll be there in a second. And when I turn to talk to you, I would occasionally look <laughs> under the nose gap because I was I thought you were there, and then realize you weren't there, and you were actually in the headset. What was interesting to me at one point, Jeremy teleports to a chair on the other side. I was sitting in the middle for most of it. And then at one point, Jeremy teleports on the other side of Norm. And the spatial audio like freaked me out because I was like, wait, how is he over somewhere else? Now you heard me over there. Yeah. Which was kind of great. So I I totally lost myself too. And it was fun because I I also had permission to talk during a movie, which was way better than going to a movie theater Mm -hmm. in that way. Uh, And uh, and by the way, Big Screen did reach out to us and say that uh, some of the bitrate problems we're having, they, you can do 1080p with 30 FPS if you have a Skylake i7. So they indicated some CPU issues there. Sure. But we saw some bandwidth issues that you can, were also limiting. So we can, you can stream your own desktop to other people in either 480, 720, or 1080. Right, or or you're choosing what you're downloading from other people is probably what that is, because isn't that right? Or I think it, it's is, it, is it the upstream? I think it's your upstream. Okay, okay. Yeah. Anyway, that was fun. What do you think of the movie? I, I I liked the movie. I don't think I liked it as much as King of Kong, but I did like it. They made Walter Day out to be a bit of a character, a character, which he clearly is. But I think they edited it a bit in that kind of Trekkies vibe, where they they kind of made fun of him a little bit. Um, that moment when he tries to get Billy Mitchell on the phone. It's great. And Billy's man. like just, just, just like, like the straight man almost. Oh, Billy, like, Bill- oh, you get, can you just get him, get him some coffee? Hey, does he need to eat or something? Just get him some get, coffee. Get him some tea with get sugar. Get him some tea in with it. sugar in it. Walter, are Wal- you are you listening? Are you listening? And, and then Walter's, <laughs> oh, no, no, the phone. It, it, clearly, he was waiting for the. He was like, I don't want to spoil this moment. Let me walk into the hallway and prep you so you can reenact this. Yeah. I thought the I thought Tim McVeigh was eminently likable and relatable. No, absolutely. The, the protagonist absolutely. of the documentary, not good, good guy. the Unabomber. I, I, and and <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah. We should do more things in big screen. That sure, was yeah. fun. And and I think you guys tried some collaborative working, like you had a meeting in big screen. And I think that's the real power of it. Yeah, well, that's because Norm was trying to describe to me what he was seeing on his website because we were trying to figure out a project. And I said, let's just get in big screen. And it, obviously, once we got it working, it was fantastic. I mean, I could he enlarge his desktop. I could point at what I thought was a good idea. He could say he could read the text to me because at the time we didn't know about the upstream. I was I tweeted while we were watching the movie a GIF 
that I captured via the big screen app using my virtual desktop. And it's weird, like very meta. We've only done this a couple of times, but like Danica mentioned yesterday she, how cute it was that we were like getting into VR and ha doing things in there, like meeting or watching a movie. And to me, it, it's already become a natural thing. Yeah. Like it's already become like, do you want to like, watch a movie in big screen or do you want to collaborate? I mean, mm -hmm. That just makes sense now to me. It's not even futuristic. <laughs> I'm never coming in to do this podcast again. We're just going to do it in <laughs> VR well, only. Well, that's, that's you know, bearing the lead because something we talked about after watching an hour and a half long movie is could we do an entire podcast recording in VR? And if we were to do so, record the big screen capture, uh, but would we also then want to be in the same room and do it and have that benefit or just do it from home like what's mm -hmm. like what, what should we do should we do it the week we have off like i mean i think we got to do it in person just to because there'll be some technical issue that we need to work out well the problem with doing it in person is the and tracking I, I mean isn't that gonna be an issue well no no i mean you, the, you align the people mm -hmm. the same way you would in in okay. the vr space whatever like, tech like the, issues the seats right yeah um and so would it be beneficial? It's more about whether it'd be beneficial to you out there as the listener slash viewer to be able to see an inset of us live being tracked in real time uh, and have it. It's if not exactly showing, mixed reality, but show the inset of the real video all in addition to the captured video. If we're showing stuff on the screen, it's got to be a better experience. The, the whole problem with shooting like Devil's Advocate, the whole problem with shooting that kind of video is you lose all facial expressions. Like if people who watch this video, mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons they're they're watching the video, so that they can see our eyes react and see us really our mouths moving and I'm supposed our, to be reacting to like stuff? our fingers doing things. And not to say you can't do some of that in VR, but it's yeah. not it's still Uncanny Valley, and everybody knows it. Right, right. I mean, so I think it's worth trying once, and maybe we'll not do it in this room. We'll do it in the the outside the main room, uh, and we'll have it lined up. I don't know if if you guys think it's worth trying to do a first. 90 minute, at least 90 minute podcast mm. in VR uh, next week, uh, then let us know because I'd be more than happy to make that attempt. And we do, I believe, have all the gear necessary, the headsets, yep. the touches, the sensors, and laptops to make that happen. Um, That's true. And it'd be a fun way to end the year. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to do it. We could also do a meetup, the three of us, in, in, um, in, with one person. With an additional, yeah, uh, we could do a, a, meet up a rando one one person. <laughs> Just leave it. Uh, the one person. Well, I, I don't think it's it can, you can't call it a meetup when the hosts outnumber the guests. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think that's legal. It's like a punishment. It's not <laughs> like you're talking about. Like it's a perk. We, what if we invite someone in mm -hmm. next week to be our fourth chair, but they have to be muted, and so all you get is their reactions, like looking and listening. And they can jump around the seats, and they can just be like the the, the wild sprite. What, how do they express themselves? Like changing their hairstyle to show their disdain towards us, or eyebrows? Well, they can, they can uh, the, you can have they can point, they can laser point, <laughs> they can give thumbs up, not thumbs up. All right. Well, one thing we're not going to be watching in big screen anytime soon legally is Rogue One. Oh my goodness! But we are going to be watching it this weekend, aren't we, kids? Oh, I am yeah. actually not watching it this weekend. I'm watching really? it uh, Monday. Wait, what? Do you not want my Saturday tickets? Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Maybe I'm watching it this weekend. Hold on. Uh, let's <laughs> let's because we got to commit right now. Uh, what's four it? tickets Saturday morning? Four. Do I have IMAX. four friends? I probably yeah, can just three. You just need three. You just need oh. three friends. Oh, because I count as one. And maybe your your kid. I think my kid's too young for this. Oh. Don't you think this movie is going to be dark? Uh, dude, I saw Star Wars one, like a New Hope when I was three. <laughs> 
And is it PG-13? But come on. If it's PG-13, like There's an arm that gets cut off. It's okay. It's okay. We assume. In, I'm talking about it in A New Hope. Oh, That's yes. what we, yeah, 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 yeah. No spoiler alert needed for that. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he'll he'll survive. I mean, do, I. But has he seen the other Star Wars movies? I mean, I'm expecting a lot of death in this movie. Okay, so if Kishore I have no is inside information to commit, then I'm putting it out there right now before I post it online. I infor- I bought tickets to watch it Thursday night, and I also bought a second batch of tickets to watch it Saturday morning in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Metreon IMAX, best seats in the house, in my opinion. The back row, objectively, not the the far, not the furthest back row, mm. but just like one Close. or two, yeah, yep. in the center, dead center, first four seats in the theater <laughs> bought, but I can't make it because I'm gonna go down to L.A. for a friend's wedding that evening. I'm so bummed, but I'm offloading these tickets. They're not even full price tickets; they're matinee priced IMAX tickets. If anyone out there in San Francisco wants them, because Kishore won't what take them, what are you doing, dude? Send me a Twitter message. But if you tweet this before the podcast goes up, they're gonna be gone. Well, maybe not. I'm, 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 right. I'm uh, putting my eggs in many baskets, right. including the podcast basket. But about the movie, we know nothing about the movie. Um, right now, I think Rotten Tomatoes, it's in the 80s, I want to oh, say. Wow. See, I didn't even know that. Spoiler. I checked yesterday. I was expecting a it's, good movie yeah. based on the, uh, the watching the trailers. Did we all mm-hmm. watch the trailers? Yeah. Yes, we all watched the trailers. We're not going to talk anything else mm-hmm. about the actual substance of the movie because mm-hmm. we know nothing much else except from the trailers but our friend it's it's the culmination of many years of work the one of the original co-hosts of this very podcast Gary Witta wrote Rogue One or was one of the writers of Rogue One has first a sto- writer he has a story credit he has yeah he has a story credit he was down there for the premiere and how satisfying was it as his friend to see his tweets and his Instagram posts as he was on the red carpet with all the actors, with his collaborators. I'd like to think I'm not a fair weather friend, but I gotta say I have my feelings for Gary Wood have been even fonder this week. <laughs> <laughs> have either of you talked to him since? No. Not no, since no. I'm, not I'm since sure Sunday. he's still on Cloud Nine. Like yeah. he's he's yeah, Cloud City. He's <laughs> he's gotta be over the moon. Yeah. I over imagine. the then over no moon. <laughs> I'll stop. Uh, but yeah, I mean have you guys done any prep work? Have you watched The New Hope or um, God Forbid so Episode 3? So that's, that's, uh, that's the thing I that wasn't he gonna, recommends. I wasn't going to watch New Hope. I was going to watch Empire because I expect a darker movie. No, no, but it's supposed to be... In terms of... No, I understand why you're saying that. But. <clears throat> yeah, in terms of like prepping yourself story-wise, you're supposed to, unfortunately, watch Episode 3 and 4. Yeah, but it's, it takes place much closer to 4. So at least watch four. Yeah, that's I did. I'm not so watching did. three. Uh, I I sat my son down and I said we're gonna watch a, a New Hope again. He he wants to watch a new movie all the time, but I said no, we're gonna do it. We're gonna watch Star Wars, and we watched the silver screen edition. Oh, what nice. is that? Yeah, it's actually really cool. Like you know about um what's the Harmy's uh, cut? Harmy's cut. <clears throat> Harmy, it, you know they cut out all the special ed- edition stuff, mm-hmm. but they re- they used as much clean footage as they could from the special editions. Yeah. Well, the silver screen is like grainy as hell. And it looks like a film capture. Now they cleaned it up. I mean, I'm not going to say it's scratchy and yucky, but they and you would expect different scenes to have different uh, tonal losses and color, you know, great degradations. But they so they clean all that up. It's very consistent the look and the color tones and all that throughout every scene. But it's it also does very much look like a, a film scan. Loved it. It felt like I haven't seen this movie that way since God. I mean, I imagine that would be a great way to project it. 
if you had a 1080p yeah. projector yeah, yeah. and put it on a 100-inch screen. What Content-wise, what's in and what's not in the silver screen version? Well, it's it's supposed to be the first, like okay. the 1977, you know. And, and it's funny, like watching Han shoots first, I was watching my son watch that because he doesn't care about all that stuff. <clears throat> and I was planning to like say like, oh, this is a big deal in this. But he, he, once I just watched it, I was like, wow, it's kind of, they almost leave it. Um, ambiguous like it, when you see the explosion of Han shooting Greedo it's just this big burst of fire for all you know I mean maybe Greedo did shoot it's a first. flash yeah, yeah maybe they shot simultaneously or something like that it, it's, it wasn't absolutely clear as I expected it to be I enjoyed it. I loved watching that version that's I watch uh, a new hope every Christmas day I've watched it every Christmas day for 27 years in a row well wow. uh, so I'm going to watch it I have I think I have the 90s version when they re-released it into theaters um, where they like added like... Special edition. So, yeah, the special edition. Yeah. That's the one. So that's the one I watch every Christmas. Yeah. So we are we're very excited. Rogue One. I mean, we can talk about the movie next Wednesday or next Thursday. Yeah, I, guess, I suppose we could. Are you are you gonna let us? You don't like t- us to do spoilers of any kind. No, let's. Do, I mean, ever. this is this is Star Wars. If you're not gonna watch it the first week, <laughs> I'm sorry. Cool. You can wait on listening our, to right. our podcast. Maybe I should take three tested fans on Saturday morning, and and then get their commentary. You don't want to watch it with fans and uh, for because well, you'll be your you'll be your first time watching it. No, you can't. You gotta watch it. You gotta watch it in in the your with your friends that you know. Why? You don't interact with them during the movie. Anyways. You never know. You never know. You got to get a. Tr- I, I, okay. Well, <laughs> if, if you want to commit to buying those four I tickets, need, I, I need a hug at the end of this movie. I don't know what you're expecting. I'm glad you told me it was only an eighty something because I I don't want to have my hopes too high. 80, I'm eighty four. I'm a low low mid. I'm a big believer going into movies with low expectations. It always is a better experience. I okay. was going low expectations. Cause Gary wrote it. <laughs> oh what. No, <laughs> <laughs> I expect pictures of Norm to be up at every movie theater after this podcast goes up. Do not let this man in. Oh, I thought it was going to Gary be, has that kind of I, pull, thought, I, I thought it was going to say need four tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet me now. <laughs> at Enchan Saturday morning. Um, in other pop culture news and movie news, we had a bunch of movie trailers come out this week. Uh, we had I'm gonna build the one build up to the one we're gonna talk about, but we had the new Fast and Furious. Now I love I'm I gotta give a high five to whoever came up with the name of this of the f- latest Fast and Furious movie, and now it's the eighth one. It's called The Fate of the Furious. Does this mean it's the last one with that title? No, you can't have eight and then call it quits. The Fate F eight. It just goes F8, on. F eight. The like, Fate of the Furious. They're gonna pass Star Trek. No, I, amazing. I, I got it. That's cr- insane. This, this, say that what you said. Said again. They're gonna have more Fast and Furious movies than Star Trek movies. Yeah, it seems that way. That is mind blowing. Well, not yet, right? None of them like twelve or thirteen Star Trek movies. Yeah, but they're they're <coughs> gonna make more. Yeah. Um. So that the trailer for that came out. It looks ridiculous. You also had the trailer for Transformers. I don't the even click night. on those links. Huh. I mean, there's making those. There's probably money. what thirteen of those Transformer movies. Yeah, it's Mark Wahlberg's arms starring Mark Wahlberg. Um, that's that's uh, that look. <laughs> meh. Can you um, hear the shaking of my head? It's terrible. Uh, what other? There was another. Uh, you had the Mummy, the trailer for the Mummy reboot starring Tom Cruise. So is that a reboot? What? Are you serious? He's not the Mummy. I saw that. I know he's immortal. He's but the he's mummy. the new Brendan Fraser? He's the new Brendan Fraser. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so he's Brendan Fraser without 
any of the comedy. It's not like, a comedy. It's super serious. And, and take and get this. Get this. Russell Crowe's in this movie. Yes. As Dr. Jekyll. What is are you talking about? It's a universal monster movie cinematic universe reboot. <laughs> Now the mummy is also it's it's not the male mummy it's the female mummy. Whoa whoa whoa! whoa. I saw the trailer because I think it was on during like Agents of Shield or something. Yeah, and there's not one smile cracked during this entire no, trailer. No, it's super serious. Was Brendan Fraser's The Mummy supposed to be a reboot of the Universal Mummy? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. And and you know it's just the mummy mythology that there is a supernatural mummy that you know. Hey, I think it's unfair to call it a reboot because it seems like the stories are going to be completely different. It's. I don't think we need these monster cinematic. I mean, it's, it's the character though. I mean, I guess you could tell any story with a mummy character, just like you could tell any story with the a King Kong type character. You had Universal's King Kong, and now you have the Warner Brothers. Is it that's doing a new King Kong film? But no one goes like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein was a terrible reboot of Young Frankenstein. Like those are like it, just because you have the characters in common. It's not sure, a reboot. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Brendan Fraser movies stand on their own. Um, I've never seen them, but I know. You've never seen them. First one's good. I know. know, Whatever. I've ridden the ride at Universal Studios, but I haven't seen the movies. Yeah, the first one's fun. He's like a a a Indiana Jones type, you know. Yeah. It doesn't take itself too seriously either, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the second and third ones are. Terrible. God, Tom Cruise, he he's doing action movies still. They're, they're doing uh, they're doing um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, mm-hmm. the prequel. Eventually, he's going to reach you know I, Harrison Ford level where he's just got to chill out, right? No, he's got to keep on running. <laughs> That's the way he stays keep young. On running, I know. I mean, away he from looks death. the same. He's literally the... running away from death in this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the the trailer I did want to talk about is you had the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. This is part of the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe, even though it's a Sony film. Underoos. And it is prominently featuring uh, Iron Man. Yeah, I got to say meh on this trailer. Really? My review is a meh. <laughs> I was uh, your trailer review. <laughs> yeah, right. my trailer reviews are very nuanced, Jeremy. They're either like yay <laughs> or meh, kind of trailer length. <laughs> so uh, I'll say this about: it. I'm looking forward to the film. Uh, I really love that they have some of Tony Stark in there, and they, it feels like it's coming right off of Civil War, uh, even though it's the relationship that should have been developed in Civil War. That's separate talk. But all, I think people give Andrew Garfield too little credit. I thought he was a really great Spider-Man. He was great. It was just everything around him was awful. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you look at Michael Keaton as the vulture, and people are saying that looks great, you know what? It just reminds me of Green Goblin and and the Sam Raimi Spider Man, a dude in a in a hover jet thing with a helmet. But it's Michael Keaton, dude. But it's Michael Keaton, which is why everyone says it's great. Yeah. yeah. I I feel like it's the Miles Morales story. I mean, you have with, his with a white sidekick. Kid. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so, which is fine. Uh, I just like it. It felt uh a little underwhelming. I expect I, I Spider Man is like joyful and exuberant and funny, and I think a lot of hmm. that joy I didn't see come through in that trailer. Hmm. Um. So there's a couple scenes that were straight out of recent comic books too. So, yeah. I mean, that gives me some hope in like in terms of like the the writing. The Vulture is a weird enemy. I think to, they're they got a, they're running out. Yeah, they can just go back and do it better. Like Venom is one of his best enemies, and they you totally build, you f that up. Build up to Venom. Yeah, fine. I gotta admit, I haven't seen this trailer. I, I'm as a non you know comic book guy, I'm left a little confused by Spider Man at this point. Isn't this the th- Third 
It's the third iteration of yeah. Spider-Man on screen in the since, past 16 years. Since Tobey Maguire, right? Yeah. This so, is uh, the sixth total Spider-Man modern movie. So they did three with Tobey Maguire, two with Andrew Garfield, and yeah. now they have this one. So I'm just on like uh, too much too, too much thinking. So I, I don't I haven't watched it. But I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan, so knowing he's in there, I might be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then one last bit of pop culture news. We had, we're going to end 2016 with yet another death of a beloved figure. Um, Elm Thicke passed away this week. Uh, one of America's dads. Yeah, he was out uh, playing hockey with his son, and he had a heart attack. It's um, sad. Jeez. I really like Alan Thicke, too. <laughs> no, I mean... I think people will remember him most from Growing Pains, but he did a lot of like cameos and other work too that I thought were were great. I most recently I remember him from uh, How I Met Your Mother, which is a sitcom I adored, and he would pop up in that. He also was a composer. Did you know that? Yes, he yeah. came. He composed the uh, Wheel of Fortune theme song. But that's yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's, wheel. That's enough of a credit for your entire life, right there. That's uh, yep. The timing was perfect, but I also wanted to mention one thing I unfortunately did not get to put into pop culture news. So I'm going to rewind just one second. One last thing. Out out Friday, a a new Netflix show. Surprise. New Netflix show, uh, The Oa. Yes, I heard about this. This is a, a sci-fi thriller, right? That's how you describe it? Yes. I uh, know nothing about I it. I have uh, the one-second pitch line. A woman disappears for seven years, um, miraculously returns to her family, but uh, Revelation, she was blind before she disappeared, and now she's not blind, mm-hmm. and uh, it's all about her. What, what happened in those seven years. Does she know what happened? She does. All right. It's said in the very trailer, she does. <laughs> all right. She remembers everything. Are you excited about this? I mean, there's... There's a lot of good stuff on TV. I know. But Netflix, they're just dropping like sci-fi bombs. I still got to go through Black Mirror. There's no transition to our first tech story. All right. Uh, Let's talk about the future of technology. Oh, you could have the Black Mirror drone thing. What? Uh, Anyway, uh, Amazon completed its first drone delivery. I don't believe you. Amazon Prime Air in Cambridge, UK, made its first delivery. Really? Took 13 minutes to order uh, and deliver, uh, and you can watch the uh, a, a two minute video uh-huh. of it making its delivery to a field in uh, Cambridge, UK, and dropping off its package. Um, and you can you know watch it lands on one of those like fiducial marker type things, yeah. and that's how it recognizes it. It drops off like a shoebox size package. Um, uh, it it looks like they delivered a, a fire TV and a and a thing of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I think this might have been planned. You no, know, this is all very, <laughs> you know, demonstration promotional. But uh, according to uh, Amazon and some other reports, that this was all legitimate. That it did initiate and go. Pick up the package, go deliver it. I believe I mean, that. You, surpri- I mean, you surprised it wasn't in America? Uh, no, because of regulations. They don't have them in the UK. Uh, I think drone regulations are are more a little soft, al- uh, allowable for this. Right. I don't know. So is this going to happen now? This is just a regular thing. If you live in Cambridge, you can just drone it your stuff. 
<clears throat> I don't know. How do we feel? Like, I still it's think wonderful. this is. That's no, great. You think it's great? Yeah. I, it's one of those things, like, living in an urban environment, I'm like, there's, I see no value for this. No, um, you're right. You're right. And you have to live out in a rural setting. It's it's novel, but it can't carry that much weight right now. Uh, and do shoes, you. Shoes, a pair of shoes. Does he need an Amazon fire in 13 minutes? Look how solar powered that house is. Yeah. Anyways. That's what he got, an Amazon Fire? A fire and a, a bag of popcorn. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's not a good use of energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it was a Roku, you'd be like, okay. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so uh, speaking about drone stuff, this week I uh, was flipping through TV, and um, I think after watching a Warriors game or something, I was flipping through, and on ESPN2 I saw the Drone Racing League finals. I had never seen drone racing on TV before, and what? I was super curious how it would be presented. So, flip to it and watched half an hour of drone racing um, for the DRL. Or, yes, yeah, DRL? What's, yeah, what's Drone that? Racing League. Drone Racing League. Drone yeah. Racing League. How was it watching it? I mean, did it feel like an actual sporting event? It felt very much in like a BattleBots type event where, you know, they present it like a sporting event, but clearly not. The same type. They're they're fishing for the storylines. They're fishing for the drama. Yeah. They're fishing for the things. And and because there are a lot of nuances that we know about drone racing um, that really differentiate the the pilot uh, the pilots in terms of their capabilities and also the drone vehicles themselves, uh, they don't communicate much of that at all. So it very much felt like an esports coverage thing. Uh, but I was really impressed by the the setup, the course layout, and the whole presentation. So hmm. uh, they've been building up to these finals by doing heats throughout the country. They did it in the um, Miami Dolphins Stadium, and they did it. They do it in a bunch of like uh, Rust Belt like warehouses, um, old buildings, and they dress up these entire these big old buildings with the uh, with the course. They build out these courses uh, with uh, turns, with lights, and rings, and like a lot of these cool like light up um, designs. Uh. So it's not just flying through an empty warehouse. They have like squares, circles, like directions. Like they make it look like a video game almost. Uh, my parents were watching it and they thought it was a video game. My dad's like, oh, this looks like a video game. I Wait, said, no, that's real life. But the feed that you're watching is one of these low quality RF feeds from the... No, they no? don't show that much at all. Oh, okay. Uh, the drones, they have the RF feeds. Uh, they don't have GoPros mounted on them because for weight issues. Yeah. But they and you can store the RF feeds locally on from your from your headset. They only show the RF feeds for like the second place or last place finisher, making it at the very end because it's too staticky. They have these elaborate camera movements. You know, cameras set up as if you have a racetrack. Interesting. So it's, every it's all turn, like third person. It's all third person, and all the each of the drones, each of the these quads, these racing quads, FPV racing quads, are uh, have lights on them. They're all color coded, so they had six competitors, six finalists, race. And unsurprisingly, in each of the heats, they, they do like six heats or something, each of the heats uh, leading uh, f- for, for score, you don't, you never have a, all the drones finish. You have a lot of do not finish. And it's There's mostly crashes. one, two, or three. Yeah. yeah, a lot of crashes happen in the very beginning. So it's not a marathon race because of battery life. Um, so most of the races last, I think it's a couple minutes long. But it's pretty. It was pretty thrilling to watch. So I watched like a, a smaller setup of this at Maker Fair this year, and I found it just as a spectator. Even though they're color coded, really hard to watch because um, you don't have high contrast um, between uh, as a spectator. But on TV, 
Oh, we're watching a feed of it on Jeremy's That's screen That's exactly right what now. I was watching, this, this, this one. This yeah. looks like wow. N- N- Nintendo That looks this. great. There's really high contrast. This does look like a video yeah. game. It looks like Mario Kart without the Mario characters racing around a And track. they had spectators there watching it, and it, it's, it's bright. I was really impressed by the setup. Like, they figured out how to make drone racing watchable, in both in real life and also um, filmed. So it's watchable. Was it compelling? It was for me because I knew how difficult these turns would be. And like they actually designed the course in a way you have to like do a hard bank and then flip and fly downward through. Like, like it, these are really, really difficult things to do at high speed. Uh, what they don't do is put cameras on the competitors as they're flying and as they're crashing because I want to see like what their finger movements are like or what the reactions are like. Oh, that's um, weird. They only put them on, on the drones. and You have like a, one or two reactions at the very end. Yeah. But it's wow! That is actually really enjoyable. Uh, I'm totally gonna watch this. Yeah. They, they do a kind of a similar setup at Maker Fair. Did you just catch that? <clears throat> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a different group that does it. It's but it's like it's not a warehouse, but it's, it's a big, big tent. But they do a similar lit thing where they're mm-hmm. tra- flying in a little pattern. They have to fly through loops. And I found it harder to follow at Maker Fair than what we just watched. Yes. On TV. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of it has to do with the course. I think the course is so much of the the competition. Um, that I, eventually, you know, it's not just going to be rented warehouses, but the warehouses do look super cool. Wow, they just cut to some FPV shots that looked the really good. FPV shots are the best. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't use more of that. They're probably concerned about getting people sick. Maybe that's a really good question. Like I thought it was image quality because it was the the, the RF feeds. Yeah, but you could also put a GoPro on one and like as you're showing, you know, shoot at 60 FPS or shoot at 120 FPS, 120 FPS, light it well, and explain the difficulties of the course. Like I think I think they're still figuring out the presentation. Yeah, yeah. Do a three D render. You know, they do have three D renders. Fly through. They it. do. They have three D renders of the course that they show ahead of time, and they talk about where the turns are. But oh my yeah. god, this it, has it, have they been broadcasting this for years now? And you just no, this is new. It, this is going to make this sport blow up. They, That's what I'm thinking. They announced the deal in July with ESPN to yeah. broadcast this. So it's it's. I'm really curious what the ratings are for it. Yeah, I, I think it, it's still it. Like video game and like esports, it's difficult to get across for people who aren't fans of that sport just how difficult it is, you know, for for the competitors to to make these courses. These are not they, it's not easy to fly like this. God, I want to do at this. this speed. I want a VR simulator first, and then I, then I want to actually do it. Well, the other thing they don't get across is that you can watch these feeds. Um, you can watch them in real time when you're there. Because you can receive the broadcast. Watch this guy. He just totally nails the, the wall. Yeah. Wow. Boom. No, actually, I guess the next guy does. Anyway, um, good stuff, Norm. Yeah, really, really fun. And also, uh, another high five to whoever came up with the phrase rotor derby. <laughs> Is that what they're calling it? Yeah, rotor derby. <laughs> uh, super clever. Yeah. So drone racing, it's on ESPN. Uh, you can find a Jerry, uh, Jeremy just watched a clip of it on YouTube. So if you search Drone Racing League, you'll find the the YouTube view. Um, so that's fun. Um, let's get to some computer news. How about some Apple news? <coughs> some uh, some some missteps it's, with Apple. It's got to be positive. Yeah. <laughs> All this Apple love. All right. Uh, we had a couple things from Apple come out this week. Uh, for people who bought the new MacBooks, including you, Jeremy, would you, would you review this? You're going to put it through its paces? We're going to do a stand-up review? It's uh, also people that update to Sierra, so it's it's going to be all the MacBooks soon. All the MacBooks. Uh, they did update where they will no longer give you a 
time estimate on how much battery life you have left. Yeah, just I guess, a battery per, a percentage estimate. Yeah. Well, you know, the iPhone doesn't give a remaining estimate. Well, I think that speaks to. But you can get a a number, or like a percentage. A percentage. No, that's, you can still get a percentage. They're not on the taking MacBook. that away. What you don't get is the time estimate, which yeah. on PC laptops and Mac laptops, have you guys ever found that time estimate to be accurate? No, but it does give me an idea of how much I'm pushing the computer. That's that's exactly it. It gives you a rate. So I guess if you see if you see it say sixty percent left, that tells you sixty percent. But that doesn't give you context of okay. Right now I'm running a lot of cores. I have a lot of browser tabs open in Chrome. Yeah, that's gonna that's draining a lot of power. The power management is is something that that time estimate gives you at a glance. And you're right, Jeremy. You don't get a time estimate on your phone or iOS devices or your tablet or your iPad, but that also speaks to the power management on those devices are fundamentally different. The, you know, even with quote unquote multitasking on iOS devices, you're not really doing mm-hmm. a lot of multitasking. That's true. It's that's more memory management than power management. Yeah, but you on, can still you can still push it. If you play, you know, some game. Yeah. You're gonna push it a lot harder. But than those are also full screen applications. You're never you're never gonna be look while you're playing a game looking at your time estimate. Mm-hmm. Why take this away? Is it because it's not accurate? Yes, because the, a lot of people were complaining, especially with the new laptops, that it was inaccurate and that they weren't getting with what it said that it was supposed to be getting. So Apple's solution, oddly, was just to remove it, the description all you know entirely. <clears throat> now, it's weird because what I guess what they're blaming it on is the new CPU, which which is just it tries to be very efficient and it's clocking up and clocking down every second based on whatever is you know it's doing at the moment. And uh, I don't know why the Apple engineers can't take that into account and normally I would work scream. with it. Yeah. Normally I'd scream and holler, but this one doesn't bother me that much. I no. like it, but I can get used to that not being there. Yeah, it's no big deal. Hmm. Um, the other thing is Apple made uh, good on one of their promises. They have the AirPods released before the holiday end of the holiday season. Very quietly released too. I feel like this was under the radar. I think they. Uh, on the 13th, they were made available to order, and they're going to ship by the 21st with zero fanfare. And for people who made, uh, very few people actually are going to get it before Christmas. If you even like an hour or two after they made the press release, uh, if you want to pre-order an AirPod, you wouldn't get it for a month. I think it's two months now. Uh, so the rumors, the the question is, why was this delayed? Because they originally had promised it in October. And the speculation is they couldn't manufacture at scale. No, that's not what I read. I read that because they're separate. Like no one's done a earbuds that are separate Bluetooth before. What does that mean? Separate Bluetooth. Uh, each I, individual. No, I mean each has its own radio. Yeah. So like you've always been able to transmit to a single receiver, which divides the signal in the left and right. And they were having trouble syncing up left and right ears. So that they, you wouldn't get because even if you have a microsecond, a millisecond. Yeah, you uh, notice that. You would get that weird echo effect. And Bluetooth isn't their standard, so it's like they have to. And I've, from what Blame I've heard, Bluetooth. from what I've heard, the Bluetooth standard is kind of messy. It is, and they just ratified the, the next version, which will come out next year. Um, I also think it could be power management because you're talking about these self-contained earbuds that have batteries in them, and they need to last a long time. And if you design hardware wrong, you know, as we've seen on the Samsung side, you don't want ears catching on fire. No, that's good. I'm really curious to see, uh, because they did give out review units for people, uh, for AirPods. AirPods. People have had them, reviewers have had them for months now, if over time um, their experience has changed. Apparently they sold out, though. 
They did sell out the, the 20 first minutes. Batch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 20 minutes. That's all it was. I don't think they put many on sale. No. It was Though just... it wasn't like there was huge demand. I think they had a small number up those sold out. We don't know when they're going to come back in. It'll be interesting to hear about them now they're out in the wild because they didn't get terribly great reviews from the from the you know uh, mm-hmm. uh, journalism community. So pretty pricey. They're expensive. Yeah. One hundred and sixty dollars. I don't think it's just price that people are complaining about because when has price been no? But I mean the pre- sole object of scorn. I'm saying, I'm saying if they don't sound good, at, yeah. if they're pricey, that's that's bad. All right. Um, and so, have you guys ever ridden in a self-driving car? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, obviously, you've yes. ridden in a very special one. Yes. I've ridden in a normal one. Too. I had to think about it. Yeah. Well, a lot of people in San Francisco are going to be able to ride in self-driving cars in the very near future because, oh. like Pittsburgh, we are getting self-driving Ubers. And they've been here for a few weeks. Well, but as, they only officially announced it. We talked. Well, about they've it last been here week. scanning. Yeah. I mean, we've seen the cars driving around, trying to take in the neighborhood learn where the stop signs are. Now, these cars will still have people behind the wheel. They all do. Like, they even must. in Pittsburgh. Like, they have to by yeah. law. But, but their hands won't be on the steering wheel. No, they're just talking to you. Just chilling. That's not the Uber experience I, I want. Adjusting the radio for you. You want it warmer? You want some water? <laughs> Car can't hand you water. <laughs> and they're, and in Pittsburgh, though, they... Do you w- tell me you don't want to get in one of these? I do want oh, to get in one of these, dude, but I want yeah. the driving experience to be exactly as I expect. I, no, I no, mean, no, no, unless, no, no, no. Unless, We're not there yet. Unless if, the Uber driver there is a special technician that can tell me more about the drive, self-driving technology, oh, then you, yes. Don't you expect it will be an Uber employee? I mean, I don't think it's going to be some guy in a hoodie. <laughs> I, although, I mean, hey, I like hoodies. <laughs> but I, I do have to expect it's okay, going to be yes, I, absolutely, yes, somebody special. Yes, yeah. Are they marked differently on in the, in the app? I do. No, they, they I, must be. I don't believe so. You don't get one of these unless it's you want it. I I would expect because mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, first of all, they were free, mm-hmm. and they're probably what? yeah a free yeah. self driving car Every, ride. Sign got, me up now. Exactly, but I, it's got to be slower. It's got to be a slow ride. You, you're not getting like follow that car. You're not getting the self driving. You know it's going speed limit, to, so it's gonna be yeah. slow. Well, not just that, but it's gonna be cautious. Yeah, of course. Uh, do you say also this week like you can? turn your Uber icons into X-Wing for Rogue One. So maybe you just order an, what looks like an X-Wing and it'll be a self-driving Uber. I I don't know. I am I really want to take one of these. Wait, but yeah. there's an X-Wing in my Uber? They just in changed the, the icon. They to did that X-wing. again? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. For Rogue One. But I, I think it's going to be boring. What? But I want to do it. Don't you think it's going to be boring to get in one of these? It's going to be slow. There'll be nothing boring about watching the car drive itself. I'll be terrified the whole time. Can I film it? The whole time. I'll be sitting there watching. You'll be gripping the side, gripping oh the water god, bottle. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I, here we go into the intersection. Oh, my God. I think you'll get past that valley pretty quick. Fine. Not after the first ride, though. Uh, it's going to be exhilarating. All that life-threatening, self-driving business. Uh, speaking of self-driving cars, so Google, of course, has been working on its self-driving car, and which they, I guess, it's almost in two years now since they showed that prototype, the with no steering wheel. Uh, that department is now its own separate company. Yep, continuing what Google's been doing all year long. Is it under Alphabet? It is. Yeah, under Alphabet. they spun it off as its own company called Waymo now. Waymo what? Just Waymo. <laughs> Waymo autonomy. <laughs> Waymo better. Uh, and it's it is the concept car that Norm is talking about that really got sp- spun off. No steering wheel, that like kind of weird looking device. They have a website up that 
uh, promises uh, more information and, uh, about its its progress. I don't think it's near anywhere from being legitimately on the road. They're just still doing some test rides. I think only one journalist has gotten in one of these things and gone for a ride with no one else in the car. Hmm. But this is the future that Norm's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. What what future? The, the future he doesn't of, want the Uber where no. like there's somebody behind the wheel. Oh, yeah. I like, just want to get in the car. Driving. Yeah. 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 Well, that's Tesla too, right? I mean, you have to be behind the wheel. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's all and I want seats facing each other. Did you guys see this Tesla video that they like a few weeks ago of the self-driving? Like it's, they, like a promo video? It's 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 more like a tech demonstration. But they had a car that was completely self-driving in uh, rural areas. Mm-hmm. It's all side roads, just like stopping at stop signs, letting traffic in, getting on the highway. It wasn't highway. Like that the autopilot right now is strictly highway, but they promised like it's got the sensors and everything for self-driving. And it apparently like People have said, do you really know what kind of sensors you need if you haven't actually accomplished it yet? And clearly they have accomplished it. It's really cool. Uh, now for a bit of Microsoft news. Now also kind of uh, not a big fanfare, Microsoft made some product announcements uh, last week, I think. They talked a little bit uh, uh, in their blog post about VR um, and also uh, the ability in a par- as a part of their Continuum service to run full x86 desktop apps on ARM. So whatever, whenever a Surface phone comes out in the future, they will it may run full Windows. What? And let you plug in and turn it into a you know a, a Windows desktop PC. Meaning what? Is like this something we want? That it'll just force itself to restart without asking your permission first. Like you, I'm talking about the Motorola Atrix and you know all those phones that that. S- that claim to be able to also be a PC. If this becomes the big Surface phone unveil, I'm going to be disappointed. I don't need my phone to be a full PC. I agree. Maybe and, and it's not a it's not a premium feature. That's more of an accessibility like a like a like a, um, a global feature, you know, for people who only want to buy one device and the phone is their primary device. Um, then the ability to plug in, you know, uh, USB-C into a display uh, and a keyboard, like that maybe, but I have no need for that, and that's going to be a, not going to be a big wow feature for me at all. I'm with you. Ne- um, next, I'm trying to come up with a way to argue it, and I can't. No, I'm, yeah, I don't want any part of that. Uh, also, to be unveiled soon, maybe next year, is Microsoft's take on the Amazon Echo and Google Home. Oh, I'm more interested in this because even though Cortana and the latest edition of Windows hasn't been great, the previous edition I thought was really. Uh, quite intelligent. Now, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical about this. I, I don't know if whether people want Cortana, which first launched on desktop and people rarely use on desktop, to then also be on on their speakers. And they're they have a partnership with Harman uh, Kardon, um, and there will be a speaker next year, but it will have. The digital assistant. Why does it matter what assistant it is, as long as the service is good? I think, I think there's a, a perception issue, for sure, uh, and the fact that Amazon first launched Alexa and Echo on a standalone device with limited set of expectations, yeah, uh, no display, mm-hmm. um, eased us into a digital assistant much better than from the phone to the device, which is what Google did for the Google Assistant to, oh. to Google Home. Okay. And then for Microsoft side, the desktop 
to a standalone system. And if you already have ambivalence toward Cortana because you don't use the service on your desktop, mm -hmm. then what's going to get you to use it on a standalone device? I don't, I don't follow that logic because I didn't have any allegiance to Echo or Alexa. Um, I, I was ambivalent towards that but just because it was new. But, but it, I, it, I don't care about Cortana in the same kind of way. Are you going to be... Uh, so you're platform agnostic. You're just gonna you just want the device that's Who, gonna work best. Whoever gives me the Star Trek computer gets my money. But Amazon has the advantage in that the basic things that Echo and Alexa can do are also ordering things. They start off with a button. Yeah. They have, right. They have and advantages so, in certain rooms. I would say Echo does. I mean, Echo didn't order things at launch, and I still thought it was great. And but I I feel like it's kind of stagnated, and I feel like like it's we're our, we've become so used to using it now that. Well, I do want more features. I mean, I'm I'm really anxious for it to be able to string together requests so I can say, you know, um, I won't say the name, but like Amazon Echo, um, switch profiles and play the Moana soundtrack. I want to say two things at once. I want to say, you know, multiple requests. Right. And then I also want it to understand my voice and know to be in my account because my wife has a different account. You're going to be asking too much. And I want it to, to say hi when I walk home and it senses my Bluetooth phone is nearby and it hears me. I want it to really become Jarvis, the Star Trek computer. I agree. Like from a hardware perspective and just like an AI perspective, I, I'm excited about this. I think it's going to drive the innovation faster on all of these machines. The reason to be skeptical is Microsoft so knows so little about me. It's going to require you on your Windows 10 computer to sign in via Windows 10 login to all your Spotify services, Facebook, and all your other things, so that it can tap into those those services. Which I'm not excited about. Yeah, you know, as opposed to in Google where you're already signed in because you use Gmail and Google Calendar. And Amazon knows my shopping mm -hmm. habits. Yeah, so that's the thing that Microsoft doesn't have. It's All true. it has is your PC login. That's true. Yeah. Um, next year, the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas is going to put Echoes in all of its rooms uh, by next summer. Is that, is that a perk? What? Can, so are you going to be able to sign into your own Amazon account? Is that the idea? I don't think so. What's the point? Is it like yeah, just why? to make a wake-up call like easier for them? Yeah. Is that a perk for you? If if it's not tied to your account, would so that be a perk? let me paint a picture. Let's say instead of ever having to call down to reception, I could interact with the hotel so through the app, Echo. So you're talking about they would also develop yes. a uh, – what, what's it called? Uh, not a recipe, but um, – yeah, I know what you mean. A, a third-party whatever thing. Yep. Um, skill. Skill, that's right. Uh, right. But if if I walked in and I could be like, turn on the lights. Mm -hmm. uh, if I could say, you know. Play music. You know, yep. play music. If I could have it do the wake up. If I can be like, hey, check out of the hotel. Is that not a part of the story? Because that makes a lot of sense. I think that's, that's, the, that's the dream. That's the full array of these skills. Uh, and at launch, I don't think they're going to have it. But that's the idea. You're going to talk to your room. That feels like a Jarvis thing because you know there are a very limited number of things you actually find useful and want to do. Or order room service. I'm about to make the worst first world complaint ever. But I hate how I go to hotel rooms. I have to spend all this time learning where like the lights are and how to turn on lights. And it's different. Oh, man. I can't well, get it. I don't share that problem. What is wrong with me? I like finding that light switch. It's always. <laughs> it's well, have always... you ever seen a hotel room that has a tablet? They have uh, yeah. those custom tablets that have I a don't UI. like those. And you can order. They, they're really because they're, ups, they're upsell devices. That's all they are. They are, and they're still physically tied to one location. Yep. If I could use my voice, no problem. Yeah. All right. Uh, one last bit. Uh, we talked about Pebble last week, mm -hmm. um, and now is there more 
more information about Pebbles. Did you read the pending demise? So Stephen Levy from Back Channel, who we referenced Back Channel last week, uh, did an interview with Eric, the CEO of Pebble, um, in the days. I think the day they closed the deal with Fitbit, uh, and it shed some light on some of the comments we had. So what was really interesting is they were profitable and then went unprofitable hmm. um, in between the second and third Kickstarter. And that was the start of the demise because then when they went out to raise another round, no one would give them money um, when they wanted to go build the Pebble 2 and the Time 2. And, you know, it, story, it tells the story of Eric trying to come up with really creative ways like private equity wouldn't give them money let alone VCs. Because so they, of just no confidence trajectory. in, in yep. smartwatches. Mm -hmm. And so they went to Kickstarter, that third Kickstarter, as a last resort. Wow. That's really unfortunate. <clears throat> yeah. That's when the Apple Watch came out, is in that period. Yep. Also, I mean, there's, you know, read between the lines, there's probably some mismanagement. Um, you know, they talk about moving into a larger space and then only occupying half of it because they had to make some layoffs. That's not an uncommon story for a lot of startups, though. Yeah. So I, it gave a lot more nuance to me about Pebble's demise, um, and I, I really recommend reading that. So, um, you know, uh, we're hoping to do our uh, VR podcast next week. We probably will skip the week after between Christmas and New Year's, but then the week after that, we're going to roll right into CES week. And we're already seeing a deluge of CES announcements, Does Korea announcements. Feet already hurt, Norm. Well, I'm only going for two days this year. Uh, Oculus said they're not going to be there. No no presence this year. Um, <coughs> we're going to talk about them in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I'm already reading through the pre-announcement news. And one bit of product, one product news that I, uh, I actually am interested in is 4K monitors. 4K HDR monitors and displays because I think this will say, I guess, this is finally the year for 4K. <laughs> Did you listen to the throwback episode that you played over Thanksgiving? Hard you, I Gary, really... and Will talk about 4K monitors four years ago. I know, yeah. And we're talking about content and chicken <laughs> and egg, and I think we finally are at that point where it's worth investing in a 4K HDR monitor or oh. display. Yeah, what TV. are you talking about? Computers or TV? Well, there's both. There's TV, and I have you know, I have a 4K monitor at home. Do you guys have 4K monitors at home? No, no nope. computer. You guys still run 1080 or 1440? Uh, I I do the um, quad HD. What is that? 2560. 2560 by yeah. 1600. Yeah, or I'm 1440. at 2560. Yeah, that's that's a great resolution because most video cards can do 60 FPS. So most like the 1080s and 70s, the yeah. high end video cards can do 60 FPS in most games and high settings on that resolution. I love 4K display mm. my big problem with 4k on the computer side is that those monitors are too small for the pixel density that you don't take enough advantage of the pixel density at 27 inches or even 28 inches whoa you want bigger than that i want bigger than that because i have a 25 60 by 1600 monitor my old dell dude uh, that's 30 inches like sitting in front of the sun oh my god and those are that's giant well we're talking about back then we knew people who bought 1080p what was it back then? Um, the Westinghouse displays, 1080p ones, that were 42 inches. That's like nuts. Dan Stapleton How? used to have a 42 inch Westinghouse in front as his main computer. What do monitor. you use, Jeremy? My monitors. I have yeah. dual quad HD. No, I mean what size? Oh, um, I don't even remember, but maybe like 24, 25. Yeah, I have dual 24s. So 30. 24 inch, <laughs> dual dude. 
dual. <laughs> I can't go under a 27-inch for a display. Wow. Um, well, LG has, and they just announced for CES, a 32-inch IPS monitor with 4K HDR. Well, I mean, I guess if you got the video card to drive it. They haven't said. It's going to be some immense. I know. I know. It's crazy. You know, I'm not not as excited about 4K as you are, even uh, on the TV side where I think it makes more sense because it's a bigger screen. Oh, I don't think it makes necessarily more sense. You're not excited about 4K gaming? I think 4K gaming is cool. No, no, not at all, dude. I mean, with all the motion and anti-aliasing that you get nowadays, it's totally fine just to... I mean, I get immersed no matter what. All right. But I would love more resolution in VR. Like, that's where I'm at. I got the... Sure, that's separate. I feel the need for resolution. But it's... uh, With the movie stuff on the TV side, I'm much more excited about HDR than I am but about But there's 4K. no services that are really in 4K. So, I don't, like, I, there's well, no reason to buy the TV in 4K. A, there's a lot of Netflix stuff that's in 4K. Yeah, but that's the only one. Like, you know, your even, standard TV is not coming in 4K. What I'm saying is, like, even if it was all 4K content, it really doesn't... I mean, maybe it's because I'm old. But, like, my kids certainly don't care. Like, you put on a DVD and they're like, this looks great. I don't care. Um, but so, like, I, I think that there's this resolution threshold after which you get past that, like, it looks pretty good. And 1080 is looking pretty good to me. And beyond that, like, the color difference that you get from HDR is much, has a much stronger impact. I but you're not going to be able HDR. to get yeah. HDR without 4K. No, they, that's They won't upsell you on both. No, that's true. Yeah. Is that uh, true? Can you get those uh, 1080 OLED with HDR? Maybe, Maybe 1080 OLED, yeah, because the 4K OLEDs are ridiculous. Um, I think that does it for technology. Let's uh, let's move on to our next segment. Okay, I'll unmute before I play the music. <laughs> now it's time for a moment of science. So this week in San Francisco, there is a major scientific conference happening. It's called the American Geophysical Union. It is the largest uh, geoscience and astroscience conference in the world. And I've been going to uh, parts of it. I'm going to uh, again after uh, this podcast. And there's a couple interesting things that came out. One is for the first time I've ever been to a scientific conference, there was a public protest organized by science scientists around science policy. So they were mostly protesting sort of Trump cabinet appointees uh, as threats to funding. Like he's come out and said he wants NASA to not do any earth science work, any climate work anymore. I imagine that the people protesting were trying to get attention. Everyone in attendance is on their side. Yeah, very much. It was like a rally more than anything else. Right. And, um, but what was interesting, it was led by a bunch of scientists. So I know three of the scientists that protested. One is Michael Mann, who is like famous for the hockey stick uh, graph, Naomi Oreskes, uh, and then uh, Kim Cobb, who's a, a friend of mine that studies sort of coral bleaching um, in the um, in, in, near Australia. And it was interesting to see how many scientists were willing to come forward. And a lot of journalists were there. I would say only like maybe one in eight of like the 500 people or so were actually scientists at this protest. And so I walked around and I talked to a lot of people. There's still a lot of hesitation about this. Like scientists, AGU is basically uh, walking around and watching a bunch of scientists like shit themselves. Why is there? Because they're scared that their funding is going to be gone. Why is there hesitation? Uh, because it's not a line that a lot of the scientific community, or at least a lot of the scientists I talked to, felt like it's their responsibility. It's it's not within their purview to go out and ma- and take political stances like this. Huh. 
um, they feel threatened at their uh, certain institutions that this would be crossing certain ethical boundaries. It's a really interesting thing, and you can feel this sort of torrent, this turmoil starting to emerge at scientific conferences, and I just wouldn't be surprised to see more of this behavior at large scientific conferences. Maybe this isn't much of a huge public story, but it w I mean, this rally was on, like got coverage on NPR, and I met the science reporter from 538 was there, so there's major sites covering this. I think this is the beginning of something. I don't, I don't know what that something is. Um, but I, I think it's something to keep an eye on. The other news from AGU that, I mean, AGU is really a, a conference that breaks a lot of science news. And the most interesting one that I've seen is uh, an update from Curiosity. So Curiosity has been slowly cr climbing out of a crater up the slopes of Mount Sharp on Mars. And they just released a paper detailing some of the things they found. And the indications are from a number of the instruments on board is that the Gale Crater was once filled with water and that there are all these like estuaries that sort of flowed into there. By analyzing the sedimentary layers as they go up, they've been able to figure this out. What's really intriguing is halfway up, they found um, uh, uh, boron isotopes. Now, what's interesting about boron is boron's part of an, uh, is a necessary part of an RNA sequence, which might, might indicate that there was life on Mars. Unfortunately, the Curiosity detector that can uh, that found boron can't actually do an analysis to figure out what type of boron was there. So it won't be until 2020 when a new Mars rover launches uh, that has Raman spectroscopy on board, for those that are really technical, that will be able to actually analyze this. But really, really fascinating. No reaction. I, no, I'm blown away. <laughs> First of all, I thought Curiosity I, was long past its end of life. It's been on there for four years, and it's still roving around. Kick it. You yeah. give a rover a nuclear reactor and some solar <laughs> panels, that thing is going to go. Warm itself. Yeah. Are they going to send the new um, – do they have a location set for the new one? For the new? I, actually, I don't know. Okay. That's a good question. I'm sure they do. You know, we point. talked about the equipment there. They're the – People have been pitching to get on the new rover, and I wonder if that manifest is complete yet. Because I'd love to know what gear. I mean, obviously there's the science scanners, but what's just, what's just video gear they're going to put on there? Yeah, dude. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, a couple of fun ones now. Now that we had serious talk, uh, a study came out from the Harvard Harvard Public School of Health in the British Medical Journal about Pokemon Go, game and, of the year, uh, <laughs> mobile game of the year. <laughs> And they uh, surveyed a, a number of users using their iPhone 6 data. So they're able to get their step data. And they analyzed, did it make you exercise more? And so it did. Yes, of course in it did. Initially, oh. uh, those people made many more steps, uh, users of Pokemon Go. But they returned to the mean within six weeks. And after six weeks, they were basically back to That's normal. That's pretty good. I, you know, people are like, look at Pokemon Go. It doesn't have lasting effects. I take it the other way, like you are. Like, this app got people to exercise more for six weeks. Yeah. That's incredible mm -hmm. for an app that costs nothing. It, the fact that they didn't keep going back is on Pokemon Go. I, yeah, they could huh. have made that app better over mm. time and improved it. Mm. I think they made some good improvements. I just think people Not got angry about how they created differentiation between the levels. That's a different segment. Standing and desk. Still going on strong. Not going back to sitting up for six weeks. I'm, I'm wishing I was standing right now. 
Go ahead. I have zero this, segue. This booms up. Yeah. <laughs> zero segue to what's next. Uh, so uh, researchers have long tried to understand how uh, birds fly, and not just how they fly mechanically, but the air vortices that they create around them as they do fly. And uh, just a, a good reference for Norm is they've always modeled it in this three-body problem way. Mm. Um, but researchers have always been trying to come up with an experiment that allows them to really get a better look at this. So there's a paper out that has the most fun uh, video of all time that I've seen for science. Maybe not all time, but pretty up there. Top 10. They designed this video where they outfitted a parrot. Uh, to fly through a laser mesh. They would put this this um, uh, mist through the laser mesh so you could see sort of the air patterns through it. But in order to have a parrot fly through a laser mesh, you have to protect its eyes. So they 3D printed special goggles for this parrot. Little aviator goggles. Nice. This is great. It's hilarious. Are and they, you can they, watch are it. Are they Snapchat spectacles? You can watch it fly through and actually create these like kind of intricate... Uh, vortices that they didn't expect. Um, so it's it's really interesting for understanding mechanical um, uh, prop, uh, mechanical impacts of, of the bird flapping its they, wings. They but it's filmed, the most adorable thing ever. They filmed the bird flying also in high speed, wearing the goggles. Yes, and it is. <laughs> he's the hero of 2016. Oh, dude! Come on, the goggles are tinted. They. <laughs> They're great. I swear that bird is smiling. I think he likes them. Oh, my God. I don't know why we're not 3D printing these right now. This is one of the cutest things I've ever seen. I'm sorry, Ripley. Wow. <laughs> a parrot wearing these giant oversized goggles. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, speaking of video, to go back, did you see that Amazon has also released video of the first Prime Air delivery? I watched yeah, it. Yeah, we were I watching it, it as, as you were talking about, about it. Okay. All right. I it, see it. it feels too Am Amazon controlled. It's not. Le it's legit. It's all produced. Well, yeah. it's like uh, Tes uh, Tesla. Tesla. Uh, Chevy just shipped their first Volt, and do you know where they shipped it? <coughs> Fremont. Uh, there yeah. we go. It's like a little jab. Uh, one last plug. Um, if, for those that saw a video of the live show or came to it, you saw Annalee Newitz talk about the story of going to Cahokia, which is a thousand-year-old city uh, outside of East St. Louis. Well, her long story about it is up on Ars Technica now. One of the best science reads of the year. Awesome. Uh, before we jump to our next segment, I want to thank the sponsor of this week's episode of This Is Only a Test, and that sponsor is Indeed Prime. Indeed Prime is a premium talent platform that matches elite tech talent to top companies. Indeed Prime helps software engineers simplify their job search and land a dream job. Candidates get immediate exposure to the best tech companies with just one simple application. And when you're hired, Indeed Prime gives you a $2,000 bonus to say thanks for using Prime. And if you use our link, you get a $5,000 bonus instead. Sign up now at Indeed.com slash test. Indeed Prime is 100% free for candidates and helps hiring managers discover available high-quality talent. Again, learn more at Indeed, it's I-N-D-E-E-D, dot com slash test. The VR Minute, virtual reality <laughs> this week. Whew, okay, uh, there's two aspects to the VR Minute this week. We're going to talk about content a little bit, and then we're going to talk about industry news, because there's not a lot of technology 
um, revelations this week. I want to go content first because we've been playing a lot of Oculus Oculus Touch. I think it, we've talked about how it's easy it is to just jump in and play um, if, with our setups that we have at home. Yep. You know, we did big screen um, this week. Uh, Jeremy, you and I did another social VR experience yesterday. Um, we were going to play Arizona Sunshine, but yep. we couldn't get updated properly. So we decided to jump in a VR pool hall. Which is the evolution of the, what was the pool game called initially? Do you remember? On the Vive? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It was VR pool hall. It was yeah, sports yeah. bar. Now it's called sports bar. That's right. Yeah. And it's a virtual sports bar, pretty big sports bar well, yeah. uh, that's multiplayer. So I, I I don't know exactly what the max capacity is. It, it was my first experience using any app that used the uh, um, Oculus avatars, Yes, which I think are hugely successful. I'm a big fan. We popped in and you're like, oh, Norm, your avatar looks eerily like you. It does. And they walked the line of that of Uncanny Valley really well. Um, I think you have to be wearing something on your eyes so that they're just covered. Yeah. Smart move, and, and like there's so many variations you can use to design. I, I was a big fan of it. But the, the app itself is interesting because it's pool, obviously. That was the in first part of the entire game, and that's really well done, mm -hmm. as it always was. Um, you you know get your cue on one, uh, with one hand, you lock it down, and you actually have to angle the back of the cue to hit the ball, the cue, in just the right spot and then you can also lock on teleport and lock on to the edge of the yeah. pool table so you're always going to have a good position looking in and it is teleportation you teleport around different mm -hmm. parts of the, of the the vast sports hall but you also can they say hulk but you you pull the world around you yeah this yourself. was a scary move on their part i think because it could create a lot of motion sickness. It allows you to do not just forward and back movement through through space, but also rotational, which is like the biggest no-no mm -hmm. of all. Um, but they have they take an interesting step where they layer the whole world with dots that stay static r related to you. So it's like that you if you focus on those dots, you don't get motion sick. You know, that's the idea. So it took me a, a minute or two before I f figured that out. And it's 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 successful. I would say it's a good good way to do it. And you you do have to have this kind of hulking movement because there's a lot of times where you want to shift in just the right spot and you don't yeah. want to turn your whole body around. But they've expanded it beyond pool, and so the sports hall has well, there's a bunch of games, and you have games from like a skee ball to uh, there's uh, air hockey, darts. Uh, there's darts, darts. Yeah. absolutely darts. Darts um, is good. And then there's also a shuffleboard. There, not as good. Not as good. Uh, uh, I thought skee ball was good. Yeah. Um, darts was fun. I had fun playing chess, and that's that's the thing I built up to. Um, we played a full game of chess, Jeremy and I. Yeah. In VR in the sports bar. Mm -hmm. Now there's no. It's like it's like honor code chess. Like you would expect in VR, they would know the rules and it would tell you whose turn it is and that, where you can move. No way. It's just, just a chess pieces. board. <laughs> I kind of like that for yeah. the social aspect. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jeremy walked away for chess. a second. I'm like, oh, I could have like you know, Jerry's game and swapped <laughs> spun, some pieces. Spun it All right, but no, I didn't need to. Do you get the the feel that you're in a social place too? Like, is there background noise? So that's and... the other thing they do is that they have ambient noise and there's AI characters. Yeah, they're not AI. They're just they're animated. They're NPC, yeah, just animated models. models that are chatting with each other. And I was thinking, like, would it be weirder to not have those, or was, would it be weirder to have them but not interactive? I, mean, I think having them was good. I, I think having them, yeah. You're, but it, it did feel like this weird hell dimension where you could pick up a <laughs> beer bottle and not be able to drink anything, and you're just stuck in this sports hall, you know, n limbo universe where the, these AI characters ignore you and 
you were just playing chess forever. Yeah, not unlike the uh, science protest. This is the beginning of something. Not, How many not people quite sure could what. be in there with you at once? That's what I, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but you can invite your friends, and we'd love to get people in there. I, I think a good number would be, I mean, given the size of that pool hall, to make it a social experience, I, you got to have like 16 people in there to make it fun and interesting. That's asking a lot. you got to have a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Right, if, a chat room of four people is not really. I mean, it makes sense for the theater, mm-hmm. like you know, living room hangout. But if you're talking about sports hall hangout, even with four people, everyone's got to really be doing like focused on one game and not doing their own thing. It's uh, again, it gets back to social is really, really great in VR. So yeah. just hanging out in that room is, I mean, it's like the evolution of the chat room is beyond anything we had ten years ago. Yeah, um, and then on to the business news surprisingly big out of nowhere announcement uh, oculus is now restructured mm. um so brendan reeb the ceo has stepped down and is now still at oculus but leading uh, two one of two hardware divisions one focused on pc vr and one focused on um mobile vr um, it's interesting. Really? At, at Oculus Connect, they had, um, they had two teams that had worked on inside-out tracking. That, the demo unit that you saw, yeah. which was the like... The Santa Cruz prototype. Yeah, which was a wireless Oculus Rift for all intents and purposes that was tracked internally, and you could move around the, the space, and it was positionally tracked. That was not done by Carmack. Yeah, that was very, very. I was kind of surprised by that because Carmack's been the big proponent for that. A year ago, he had said, "Sadly, there aren't enough people working on this pro- problem right now." I thought there would be, and then he went to work on it, and uh, supposedly, and I would imagine he's working on it for mobile. Mm-hmm. But that was not his code that you saw, and they, I presume is in the PCVR department. Yeah, while Carmack's in the mobile, we are using phones. I mean, is it in the in the PC department? Because that was wireless. Well, the PCVR department is supposed to be uh, for cutting edge tech and mm. for research and computer vision. Okay. And they they expressly put also in this note that Carmack is on the mobile side. Yes. Like exclusively yeah. on the mobile He's side. He's always, so. that's been his thing. I mean, that's totally his thing. It's not a surprise. So maybe the mobile is more the mass market. It's about I, specialized hardware and mass market what hardware. What I'm surprised about is, like, is there really enough people to make this grand of a division and an a, announcement? I think there are, uh, more people are working at Oculus than we think. They're no, but why the announcement? So, like, fine that they make the shift and Brendan focus on PC and Carmack Well, it's a big deal because you're talking about a, a company that was a, had its own organizational structure aside, outside of Facebook but still owned by Facebook and having their CEO not be the CEO anymore. And they're, gonna look, they're looking for a new, new leadership and yeah, maybe that, not a new CEO. Well, is there new leadership, or will both of these divisions now report to Mark Zuckerberg? No, there are both these divisions report to a new leader. Oh, okay. that That's what for, I was and wondering that about. New yeah. leader will not maybe maybe not be CEO, oh, and then also then report to Facebook. And the follow up to this was that later in the day we got a note that basically said Palmer's new role will be announced soon. Yeah, so he's still still at Facebook. Don't know what's going to happen. It sounded ominous to me. Like that announcement wasn't like he's going to be CEO of all of this stuff. He had sounded very, I don't know. I don't know. I don't expect any changes to actually mean anything to consumers. I mean, I think internally they've probably divided the mobile and PC stuff since the I beginning. I don't know. Hiring a CEO for all of this will have an impact to consumers, not in short term, but who that is will make a huge difference. Yeah. 
what well, we shouldn't I'm, take this as though is lack of confidence in Oculus in the VR space. I no. mean, it, it, timing makes sense that they just finished shipping the Oculus Touch. It seems to be a bookend on what they had originally dreamed and hoped for back in 2012. And now they're moving on to the next phase, which is something that should be exciting for us because now they can, the, the good enough hardware, the great enough hardware is already out there. Uh, now they can focus on content and building the infrastructure for the metaverse, for and, the thing that we and want. And start talking about Gen 2. Yeah. Uh, I would have been really skeptical had this come out Friday at 4 p.m. But it came out Tuesday. It still caught a lot of people off guard. What do you think, uh, what kind of impact is the new CEO possibly going to have? I think can change the entire direction. Are they going to you know, focus more on on building out the content library? Are they going to f- double down on you know hardware development? Like I think they can I make like some the, really big decisions. I feel like those decisions. decisions are all made already. And, and the content yeah. side is already its own separate thing. You have Oculus Studios and Storage Studio, and presumably those are departments are still going to exist. And it's still under under Mark. I mean, Mark calls the shots of, in the end anyway, I would think. Maybe he doesn't want to call the shots. Sorry, Zuck. Um, so... The other thing that Jeremy and I were talking about is that we want, sure, we want to find more multiplayer VR experiences, whether Hell it's a yeah. Steam VR or an Oculus platform. We need that bridge to Lone Echo. Let us know what your favorite multiplayer VR experiences are, and uh, we want to play them. Um, hey, and if you want to be a fourth and watch a movie with us, <laughs> or watch a podcast next week, let's talk offline. Yeah. Tweet at Norm. Leave us alone. Yeah, I think the fourth could also be the camera guy, though. Oh. You know. Get better shots. Yep. Testing this week. Hey, what have you guys been testing? Now we're going to do some. Uh, we're doing more product reviews actually of late, and I have this long list of products that we stopped to film reviews for. Uh, two of which we're doing this afternoon. So Kishore has been testing the Google Pixel phone uh, and, and, and Daydream and Daydream and basically the Google Assistant universe. Uh, so we'll do a mashup of Home, Daydream, and uh, the Pixel. I have the Pixel XL that I'll be reviewing. Uh, and then we're going to have a tasty holiday mm. review. I'm uh, finally filming the review for the Jewel <coughs> sous vide machine. The Chef Steps Jewel as compared with the Anova, um, which is the one that we've, we've been using over the past year. Uh, Jeremy, uh, I got to do reviews with you. Maybe we'll do some one on the MacBook Pro. Maybe, I don't know if people want to still hear your thoughts on the MacBook Pro. I don't Pro. think they do. No? <laughs> we've talked enough about it on the podcast. But I definitely do want to find time uh, to hear about is... Your Chevy Bolt? <laughs> yeah, me too. 100%. Me too. Um, it's supposed to come in um, around Christmas time. Oh, my goodness. I won't be here. So oh. we're looking at early next year. You won't be won't here you? to receive your car? It'll be won't sitting you? in the lot? Yeah, I hope it'll be in a garage. Won't you be? I could pass for Jeremy Williams for a couple yeah. days. Yeah. Give no. me a shot. Give me a shot. <laughs> Create fine. a VR avatar. Charge it up. Yeah. Um, so know. that'll be early early next year then. Yep. Alrighty. Um. And uh, I also have the Inspire 2, which uh, we're trying to find some time for me to go to a racetrack. To get that up to full speed, man. Get, get it up to, to highway speeds. Um, What's coming up on Tested? We have, well, today we published a video of Adam's Strawn Beast build. 
from the Exploratorium. This is his pedal-powered Strawn Beast that we built earlier this summer. We just have a lot of stuff in the backlog that we're, we're putting out these days. Um, we also have some new premium series. Uh, we have a new um, build series, Let's Build, that we aired last week where Adam, our friend Mark Dubo, and I assembled a Blade Runner Blasters. And then we have Lego with Friends coming, I believe, next week. So I look forward to that. Um, and uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff that I can't talk about that's all featuring Adam. So a lot of good Adam content rolling out through the end of the year. And we're going to kick off next year with some more uh, some more from our trip to Weta Workshop. Oh, so I know. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. That's good stuff. It's Christmas time for everyone. Um, and that, I think that does it for us this week. Um, we will be back next week we in should VR do, form. or I hope we do VR form, but we should do like a year-end review. Maybe that's some no, it, I think it won't be just a straight recap of news. Let's make it an interesting. Yeah, fuck off, 2016. Yeah. You're horrible Jeez. to us. It's not over yet. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure something out. Um, I think it's gonna be a fun one. And uh, once again, if you guys want to, want to buy my tickets for Star Wars <laughs> Rogue One, the Star Wars story, Saturday morning, 9 a.m. IMAX in San Francisco. Send me, send me a message, and uh, we'll talk. You're offline. gonna, you're gonna regret this. Yeah, I need to get rid of those tickets. It's a lot, it's a lot of money for four tickets. Um, we have an outro this week. Yep. Who's it from? Justin, a.k.a. Speed. All right, Justin, a.k.a. Speed. Thanks for sending this in. We'll see you next time. USB. Can you get them out? I want to see. Can you grab your dongles? No, don't, don't grab your dongles. I just want to hold your dongles. Oh, my goodness.